when you think about, you know, being black and woman, being black and male, you know, whatever those margins are, Mm -hmm. whenever there's a conversation and if you are in the margins, if it's open up to a larger um, body, often we are even further put in the margin. And so why I think it's important that we're intentional is to make sure that the concerns of that marginalized group are heard Mm -hmm. and that we're addressing them. This is the 40 Lessons Podcast. My name is Todd B. Waldo. Thank you so much for checking out 40 Lessons. Episode 42 of our brand new season. And I am excited this Tuesday morning to share with you my conversation with Adrienne Cole Johnson. Many of you know her by the great things she does up at Peter Paul Development Center, right in Church Hill. Shout out to Damon, who helps lead that place as well. Uh, We had an old episode with Damon. You can go back and check out Damon Jiggett's in an old episode of 40 Lessons. But Adrienne came on over to the house in Church Hill, and we sat down and had a conversation about her work. She's so dope and does so many great things. And in addition to Peter Paul, her work there, Artisan Cafe, the Florist Society, and the Richmond Night Market. I mean, she's done so much creating space for us in Richmond. So I'm excited to share my conversation with her. After that conversation, make sure you stay tuned because I got to tell you about the next MOVE program. It's going down October the 27th. It's the great RVA Bake Off. I have to bake something, people. I'm baking. (laughs) Right. So I got to tell you all about the RVA, the great RVA Bake Off. So stay tuned after my conversation with Adrian to hear about that. Let's get into it. My conversation with Adrian right here on the 40 Lessons Podcast. We are in Church Hill. Yes. At my house. Live and direct. <laughs> I love your home. On my kitchen table. It's beautiful. Adrian's here. Hi. Hey, Todd. Thank you. And everybody. Um, you made the long commute. <laughs> no. <laughs> through Five the East End <laughs> To come over here to the house Same and hang out with me. So mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for thank having you for me. Yeah, it's good to be here. I... I uh, I set up this space for, for I, it was for me. Like I, I selfishly set this space up for me to share stuff that I think that I've learned. Yes. That I'm still learning uh, four decades worth of living. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I, there are others who have lived multiple decades and have lived their life and have learned some things. And I thought of you. Thank you. And your wonderful journey that I've got to get to know a little bit. And yeah wanted to share with the rest of the world okay. some of who you are Thank you. and listen to the magnificence that comes out of you. Um, when your journey started, what city were you in? Where does the story, Wow. where, where were you born? Right here in Richmond. So story my, begins. Yeah, I Richmond, am a Richmonder. Virginia. So story begins here in Richmond. Um, and you're still in Richmond, and yeah, but I've I've gone, I've bounced around a lot since then. So All I right, started in Richmond. Let's, let's let's just name the cities. We got okay. Richmond. We've got Richmond, VA. Yep. We've got Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. We've got Ithaca, New York. All right. Probably you went up. Uh huh. Yep. That's where Cornell is. Ithaca, New York. That's where I worked at Cornell. Yep. Um, we've got St. Louis, Missouri. Okay, going over. Uh huh. Uh huh. We got another quick stint in Richmond, just kind of like a high and by. Okay. Then we've got Washington, D.C. Okay. And now I'm back in Richmond. 
All right, so no further, years back. no further west than St. Louis. No, as soon as I hit St. Louis, I said, I'm so ready to come back <laughs> to the East Coast. No disrespect. <laughs> I was so ready to, come, you were to get back. Although it was, I love the city. I met okay. a lot of family out there. But um, it's something about the vibe of the East Coast that really gets me. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you um, still, so the people you still text talk to yeah is your network that distributed that it's that's a lot of different locations it is it is i'm big on relationships you know it's core in my work professionally and personally and so you'll see that show up so every city i've been in there are people that i still keep up with Mm -hmm. so when i was in st louis i didn't know anyone in town so everyone Mm -hmm. i met automatically became family yeah so my friends we were close um i I was out there for grad school Mm -hmm. got really tight with them friends parents and everything and so yep i still keep in contact social media helps a lot Mm -hmm. but i'm actually due for a visit to st louis here soon so i have not been to st louis in a long time okay long time did a show there i saw time i was there just doing music Ooh, yeah fancy I'm soul. not fancy. It does fancy like you were there for a show. Like, oh <laughs> <laughs> must be nice. <clears throat> so, yeah. all right. So you're back. This is 11 years. 11 years. Back, back. at Richmond. Was your kind of the core family, did they ever leave? Are they still yeah, your so, people? You came back to your people. Yeah, I came back to my people. So quick little story. Um, my mom is from South Carolina. Okay. My dad is from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Mom is from Lancaster, South Carolina. So yeah. they kind of came here, met. Are they met here? Well, let's see. So my mom played basketball. Mm-hmm. One of her coaches is my uncle. Okay. So my brother, my dad met my mom that way. And so mom came here to go to Virginia Union, VUU. All right. And so he made his way on, yeah. up, on up to Richmond. And so they settled down. They settled here. At the same time, my, um, my father is, and he's since transitioned, so he's not here on earth. Mm-hmm. But he is one of seven and so he's the youngest boy most of them had started moving up north so had mm-hmm. settled in richmond one or two are up in maryland as mm-hmm. well and so um richmond definitely is home so my mom is still here mm-hmm. uh, my sister she's back in richmond she had done again went to north carolina central dc mm-hmm. got married moved to atlanta mm-hmm. they've been back for about five years now okay. so my core close family especially mm-hmm. on my dad's side is, is right here in in the area did your dad go to college too? No, you know, he started. I think he did a two-year school in Arizona or something. Okay. Um, and then he, because he was a big athlete, and so then he um, he was at DuPont. He retired from DuPont, so yeah. he was there for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So th- this is how, and I think the last conversation, I don't think this even came up. Mm-hmm. So my dad worked for DuPont. Wow. Okay. My Both of my folks were born in South Carolina. Look at that. That's okay. it. Like that's the end of the <laughs> Carolina <laughs> DuPont. It's the enough. End of, I said it like there was a really long list of things. But still, just that's enough. There's a little connection. Connection. Little connection. Right. Um, so, but having, I wonder how having a college educated mm-hmm. parent, mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah. and I'm both. I mean, if, yeah. if your dad went to two year, I mean, he at least had the mind to. Had a bit of. Mm-hmm. Like both, I guess normally like high school degree graduated kind of kind of they yeah well, my, well no my mom but my mom was the first to go away to college so yeah. she was the first of her siblings and my dad i think a few went but most were maybe went into business or you know were at a dupont or philip mars or mm-hmm. something of the sort did yeah. you when you were being kind of groomed mm-hmm. through school was college always the target for you college was not an option 
for me. Okay. <laughs> my mom was very clear. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so she's, you know, certain things that are going to happen and you all are going to school. Mm-hmm. And um, as long as you go to school, we will we position ourselves to pay for you to go to school. That's a gift. That is an extreme gift. So there were no, I mean, and I'm even in, in when I reflect on it, when I think about, uh, I did do student loans for grad school, but yeah. when looking at my friends, um, that was something that they were committed to make sure it's kind of like a investment in us. Yeah. And so, um, so that was for myself and for my sister. So college was always the topic. They of paid for both of you. They paid for both of us to go to college. When you when you showed yeah. up, what were you? So you're when you were born, was your dad at? DuPont, that was his job? Yeah, uh-huh. What yep, was, he was, was at mom? DuPont. Mom is a retired teacher, a um, okay. retired RPS teacher. She's done everything from K on up through fifth grade. Wow. Um, and so probably close to 40 years, she was in the school system. DuPont and a teacher put two kids through college. They sure did. Man. And we and we had vacation. I mean, that's the thing, just the cost of living. Um, we had a, you know, for me, and we were right on the south side, you know, in retrospect, Maybe to others may not have been a lot, but we had everything that we needed. Yeah, everything that we needed, um, and they 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 saw to it. We would maybe do one vacation a year. We get in the car, we've driven to Florida as far as we need to, right? But mm-hmm. they they were able to even with those two, you know, the incomes yeah. able to make things work. You and your sister are how close? Three and a half years exactly. Okay. So some of those vacations you guys were doing, yeah, doing together, yeah, absolutely. Do you remember? So I remember being in my dad's Cadillac. Mm, Cadillac, okay. And <laughs> driving south to see, like leaving Jersey, going to DC to get my uncle, and like they were getting their cars. We had like two cars. Yeah. And I re- like we did an Atlanta trip, yes. Stone Mountain. Yes. Walked Stone Mountain with matching track outfits. <laughs> I love it. The there whole was family. A photo. I, look. <laughs> There is a photo of the squad. We need to see that photo. It's in my, I, look, I it, is, it is me, <laughs> Mary, and Sammy matching. Matching. Uncle Boone, Aunt Day, and Jeanette. Like, we are just. The whole family. Six tracksuits. Ooh, I love it. Mm. It was like brown. Oh, I with love it. orange on it. Okay. In Atlanta. In Atlanta. In the summer. In the summer with the tracksuits. <laughs> Anyway, walking up Stone oh, Mountain, Lord, yeah. we did it. Anyway, do you, do you remember oh, those? Do you remember the family trips? Like, do you oh. remember getting in the car? Absolutely, absolutely. So you said you did one like the Florida. You just yeah, went. I remember going out to Disney World. That's a big deal. You know, parents put poning up money to get us to Disney yeah. World and driving out. But I most remember our our treks down to South Carolina. Yeah, you know, and so um, and there were times where we had two cars. At one time, there was one car. But, you know, I'm on the top seat and sister might be laying down on the bottom. And, you know, you pack lunches, you mm-hmm. pack food because you're what's not stopping the, right, at so restaurants. What's restaurant. the top seat? I've not heard the phrase top so seat. So top seat is like, well, I guess I'm being fancy. <laughs> you have the floor, right? So we would make a whole bed down there. What like, kind of car is this? So, okay, let me see. So there are a few cars. The The car I'm picturing is when we uh, we were a little bit older. So there was this Nissan. It wasn't a Nissan Sentra. But it was like a van, a minivan. Uh huh. And it's when doors were, when you got fancy, when it pulled back automatically, yeah. that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so it was enough space where you have the floor. And so we put down a uh, pillow you. Okay. and you yeah. make it comfy. Yeah. And then you have like the actual seat. seat. Okay. So you kind of 
kind of bunk bed situation. Okay. You're, making, um, you're making stacks. Yeah, making stacks. <laughs> right. I'm using stacks. my hands right now, stacks you all. Okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I do remember going down and just the conversations and things we talk about yeah. and um, just that quality family time. Yeah. You know, it wasn't so much about the rush of let's hop on a plane and get there. It was more so about just the experience that you that you have together. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Do you Do you carry some of that with you? Like, do you and your family... Have you put your family in a van and said, let's drive, <laughs> let's spend quality time with each other? You know, we have not gotten in the van, but we have gotten in cars. Yeah. So um, my partner, husband Josh, is from Ohio. Mm. He's from Columbus, Ohio. And most of the times when we go, although Naomi would rather get on the plane, we drive. Yeah. So it's about a seven and a half hour. And he's got it down. We know where we stop. We know where to go to the restrooms and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something about a road trip that I enjoy, you know. Um, so we do, as I think about it. And um, I like to explore, you know, when I was, tell them my age, when I was younger. That sounds so odd to say. <laughs> in my younger years. Um, in, my, in my younger years. I used to travel a lot more than I do now, just with, um, you know, whether it's mommy responsibilities, mm-hmm. professional responsibilities. But whenever we can just kind of hop in a car and go, yeah. like whether it's Charlottesville or Ashland, or just to explore, mm-hmm. I like for us to explore. Are you aware of what your mom and dad did to keep the four of you mm. like together? Mm. Like when you think back on it, because it takes work mm. to keep that as a unit. They were together their whole lives, yes. right? Yes. So never split apart. No. Two girls. Yeah. So that unit of four, like you, mom and dad had to do work. Yes. Yeah. Wow, that's such a thoughtful question. Um, the first word, two words that come to me are love and understanding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear love all the time. And I think it's it feels so soft to people, but it's such a strong, strong yeah. trait for me. Um, and just how they how they how their love for each other loved us in a way that we just felt limit, limitless. Mm. Like I've always had this sense of confidence um, I've always known that I've had some really solid rocks to support me with those three, with my mom, my dad, and my sister. Yeah. Um, and so it was just this consistent, genuine love that they poured that just was infused throughout our family. Um, and then understanding, too. You know, as I've gotten older, and you know, when you kind of come into adulthood, you understand that it's not easy, mm-hmm. right? Um, this marriage thing, it's not easy. This parenting thing, it's not easy. But somehow, from our point of view as children, it looked very easy the way they made it, you know. And mm-hmm. so now at this point, I've understand I've come to understand some of the sacrifices and some of the give and take, you know, that may yeah. have happened for mom and dad. Um, but I know and it shows that they really kept us at the core of their of their union. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Mm. I, I don't have that. Mm. Like I'm the opposite. Okay. Well, one, my With- dad. My dad was only around for about eight or nine years, but okay. his he was really inconsistent. Really. And Do you remember those years that he was I, around? Vividly. Yeah. Okay. I mm-hmm. part of part of my journey and just healing and trying to get better as a human, in particular as a man, as a dad, was trying to remember good memories. Yes. And good things about my dad in particular, yes. mm-hmm. uh, and that took work. And so the counselor and therapist were able to draw that out of me. Good. Um, so that everything that I thought of him was not just the addiction yes. and the inconsistency and all the, the abandonment and all the other things that, that came with it. Yes, indeed. 
but having lived you know with a partner in the same house for a while and then in two different houses and raising a child yes and it's like that's work like it's work relationships period yes humans are hard yeah. <laughs> right any age humans are hard i agree <laughs> but when you see a family that is that stayed together lived yes. together yes that's work yes and then you have to figure out how to do it yourself i'm with you i'm right? with you yeah. so now like you have a partner you have a child like how much of your mom do you emulate? Like when you mm. look, when you look out, like yep, that was her. I just did that. Yep. Wow. <laughs> or even your dad. Like how much of them yeah. is in you now? Is you're doing? You have to do a lot of the same things that they yeah. had to do. Yeah, you're right. Um, wow, you got some good questions, Todd. <laughs> Man, nobody can prepare for this. Um, a lot. It's interesting. I have always been what, you know, what I would say is a daddy's girl. Mm-hmm. So he was like my best friend. You yeah. know what I mean? He would talk to me no matter what kind of day I was having. He was such a great listener um, and was a man of few words. But when he said something, he meant it. And so mm. I've spent the last and I moved home when he transitioned. And so I've spent the last 11 years kind of redefining my relationship with him in his absence on earth. Mm -hmm. And so a bit of that has been kind of like what you're talking about. What are traits that come up for me? His name is Lamb. So Mm -hmm. what's a Lamb thing that I do? You know, what's something about him? How do I center myself? Um, And so he, you know, when I look at my ability to listen and Mm -hmm. the understanding and always seeing the positive in a situation, speaking those things over Naomi or if me and Josh are having a day, still looking at that bright side, it's a lot of him that shows up, mm-hmm. even still. Um, and my mom, too. And they're both um, February babies. They're both um, Pisces. So mm-hmm. in- interesting with the water signs. But my mom is, she has to be the most consistent person that I know in life. Mm. Like, <laughs> you know, if she says she's going to do something, mm-hmm. she does it. And I would say with excellence, you wow. know, she's the one who... Um, you know, so she was a teacher. So we're always seeing her old students or coworkers, and she's always everyone's favorite teacher or yeah. favorite coworker. Um, she's so kind, and so I try, I try mm-hmm. some of that. I don't think I'm half of as kind as she was. Yeah. I, if anything, I would say I'm at this point in my life. I'm aspiring to be more. Um, I'm aspiring to be more like her. Yeah. Um, it's interesting when you talk about addiction because my dad, he dealt with some addiction too, alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so um, even getting through that. And as a child, I didn't even know. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I remember them telling us, hey, dad's going to away for like a month or two or something. But even then, like we would go and see him once a week. It mm-hmm. was just, I don't know how they, how they did that yeah. with all of the stuff that I get now. Um, you know, but I say all that to say her ability to manage a household and manage like her marriage and mm-hmm. still um, rate, letting us have our childhood means a lot to me. Yeah. And so even for myself with Naomi, I'm really big on consistency. Yeah. I often say I have a crazy life. Some people are like, how do you run this business? And then you do this <laughs> full time job and then you do this and then you. And, you know, I, was, I always say my craziness should not affect Naomi. should still be able to do her Naomi thing because she has her own social schedule. She has her own things that are important, and I show up for those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think a bit of that I learned from my mom, too. So I could go on and on, but definitely, like, just consistency, caring, listen, listening, 
um, all of those things definitely come to play. And it's kind of a mashup of, yeah. of both of them, I would say. That's good. Yeah. What, what were you doing in high school? Ooh, what was I doing in high school? When I was in high school, I always was one of those kids that like wanted to be at the next step. Right. So oh, like, yeah, you were always looking ahead. Yeah, I was always looking ahead. So, um, let me see. So I went to Huguenot High School. Shout Huguenot. out to the Falcons. <laughs> yeah. And so I cheered for a bit. I cheered okay. freshman year and sophomore year. As soon as I could work, I opted to work. Really? Yes. I was one of those. I wanted to have my own where, money. Where was your first job? Ooh, the first job I want to share. Does it count if it lasted <laughs> for a week? <laughs> Which one do you want? Well, no, oh, let me I, back now up. I gotta know. Well, no, let one. me back. I know. Now I gotta say. But let me back up. My first official job. I've always worked. Okay. So even beyond high school, I mean, I babysat for um, two of the young boys down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, my my claim to fame there was I taught. I'm left-handed, and I taught the right-handed one how to tie a shoe. And his mom was so impressed by that. She still talks about that to this day. <laughs> Um, I was an instructional tutor with RPS. And okay. so that's during summer school when they may have like a, a um, student in the class just mm-hmm. to help. So I was able to get that gig. But my high school, like high school job, I worked at A&W Hot Dogs and More yes. for maybe five days. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> that's not my life. I'm not about that life. Like it was too much pressure. Yeah. Like... Knowing what kind to make. And it was at Cloverleaf Mall. Shout out to Cloverleaf Mall <laughs> on Southside. But it just it just wasn't my thing. Yeah. It wasn't my thing. I, I've never worked food service. Okay. Retail I have. Yes, I've done a lot of retail. But never food service. Yeah. And I don't think I could do it. Yeah. I could probably, like I could host. Like I could welcome you. Yes. Let me see if there's a seat. We're the same person. Type things. We're the same person. I cannot put food on a tray. Right, right. I would drop it. <laughs> it's too much want, pressure. You don't want me in the kitchen. It's too much pressure. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, am, am I making this hot dog? Does it look right? Do I have the squiggly lines for the must? It's too much. It's, it's too, too much. much. Yeah. It's too much. So my long-term job, I was at TJ Maxx for like forever yeah. um, in high school. And um, I also did the text Richmond Technical Center. So yeah. I went to school for cosmetology. Said, hey, might as well get a trade. And so I did that up until um, until graduation. Were you, um, so as you were learning cosmetology, Mm-hmm. I was about this cosmetology. You got it. Whew. It got stuck in my mouth. <laughs> I freaked <laughs> it out. Uh, were, you, were you working on people? Like, were you doing hair? And, so, like, so, were you doing, like, family and friends? So, during that time, yes. I was always real creative. So, I was a friend. Like, if you needed a little touch up or yeah. something, like, come see me. But it, it really helped in college. So, I was like the, you need your hair cornrows. It's like, that was me. Money. So, I might make a little money on the side, yeah. you know, doing something I enjoy. Um, so I never got my license though, but it's always been just like a, a skill that I've had and I've kept. So it helps with your, does it help with your girl's hair? Are it you, does. are you, are you, pat, is it a time thing? It does. Like, so I mean, Sunday is hair day. We had hair, but like Nate, we had hair night yeah. last night. Um, it doesn't show up as much like Naomi's hair. She kind of got this curly thing going. Mm-hmm. She likes to just wear it out and free, which I love. Yeah. But I don't get to braid as much as I would like. Yeah. So every now and again, but she likes it to be free. Mm-hmm. And so I want to honor that. Yeah. But I thought I would be able to do more. Yeah. That's the I, thing. I got one compliment. Okay. Which I hold on to. It's old. It's like five it years old. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> I, I did my daughter's hair. Okay. And we went somewhere and her grandmother saw her 
and thought that her mom did her hair. Yes. It's like, no, no. No, no. (laughs) Bring that back in. Give that to me. Right. Daddy did that. Yes. Daddy did that. Good for you. I I really, uh, I wanted to learn. Mm -hmm. Just, even if it's just maintaining. Yes. Just show me how. Because there may it. be a time um, when... And it, and it was, on our journey, that was a point of inflection and a switch for me yeah. that I was able to take instruction from my ex-wife. Oh, that's so good. And not hurt. Do it in a way that I didn't feel hurt or didn't feel demeaned as her dad, that yes. I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know how to take care of her. Yes. But really to be open to her, this is how. That's awesome. Buy this, do this. Wrap it so like you go upstairs in her room. You got all the all, all the, the products, right. all the products that she needs. So was that that was after? Was that while you all were married, or it's all after? After it's okay, because she handled it before. Well, she was young. Like we split when, but she was she was itty bitty. She okay, was real small. Okay, gotcha. she was real small. But yeah, but she's we outsource a lot now. Gotcha. When possible, yes, because she is just the time. Mm-hmm. That's why it's about time. Yeah. because between work and the family and the other kids and all the things and I can't like tag I'm in let me cornrow real quick <laughs> that you don't want that I understand you don't want that uh so we outsource and get help okay good to to do her hair I'm with you um but and I'm easy I just this is razor right <laughs> you can handle that I did have hair at once really I had a full on okay afro. so that's two pictures we need to see the afro picture and the matching I, I aspire to have my hair um, I, I wanted locks, like I wanted to do the whole thing, right. and uh, and I did. Here was the problem, um, and this podcast is not about me. The problem was to... that it it's going to the salon. Okay, it's a time commitment, yes. and and it was like all right, sit in the salon chair, and you got to wash it, and I'm under the dryer, and she does the things. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. And she's like, we well, don't get it wet, <sighs> and don't, and then I I couldn't scratch it. It was Man, it, it was, was too, too much. much. It was a lot of work. Too much. It's too a lot. Much. It's this a is lot. easier. Yes. This is I'm much sure. Uh, where where did you go to college? I went to undergrad at Old Dominion University. O D U. Yes. You stayed in the state. Yeah, I did. I did. Really? It's interesting. My first choice was actually University of Maryland College Park. Okay. And um, my parents got me. They said, "Well, if you go to O D U with this um, amazing in-state tuition, <laughs> we'll get you a car." Oh. Never got the car, but went to O D U. What happened with the car? They didn't get it from me. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Do they technically still owe you a car? No, they don't owe me a car. So I did end up getting the car. <laughs> okay. I ended up getting their car, okay. which I loved by my junior year. But, um, but yes, yeah, so I went to ODU undergrad, and then I went to Wash U in St. Louis for grad school. That's why I got my master's in social work. Wash degree. U? Yeah. Yeah, Wash U. Yeah. Um, what was... What was ODU? I, I, I'm not familiar with life mm. on ODU's campus. Oh, yeah. So what of how many students are students of color? Like as a percentage, how, how diverse oh. is that when you were there? Oh, so this is, I don't know if this is going to be the truth. So I can't give a guess. number. It's a guess. Uh, I would say it felt a lot. It felt high for a PWI. I would say 35. It felt like, it felt like 35% to me. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing. And I'll be honest, you know, for me being in Richmond, Going through RPS, mm-hmm. the majority of my spaces have been black spaces. Mm-hmm. I mean, from birth on up through high school. And so when I was looking at college, I didn't necessarily feel like I had to go to an HBCU. However, I wanted to feel warm and welcomed wherever yeah. I went. And so that's what ODU gave me. And so when I went there, I would say in my dorm, Rogers Hall, 
got a shout out if anybody's listening. <laughs> it was like a, it was like majority students of color, majority yeah. black in my dormitory, you know. And so a sense of support came along there. I think the other interesting thing about ODU, kind of like VCU, you'll notice a lot of folks that come up this way from the Tidewater area. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks from Richmond go down to the Norfolk area for okay. school where it's close, but not, you know, not too close. And so um, it was away from home, but it still had a nice, familiar feel to me. Um, ODU was amazing. Yeah. Now, first semester, if you would have asked me, it was like, eh, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. But after a while and getting to know more of my classmates, um, it again had this very much a family feel to it. Mm-hmm. Everybody looked out for each other, you know. Um, and so my first dorm was an all freshman dorm, but there was another upperclassman dorm not too far away. You know, and it's small enough where if you go to the parties, everybody's at the same parties or you kind of get to know the same people. Um, And then the administration, too, I think had a lot to do with how comfortable I felt. They were just very supportive. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, ODU was was a great decision for me. A lot of my leadership skills, I think, were really fine tuned during my time at ODU. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about black spaces. Please do. um, A little bit. Yeah. Was were there dedicated black spaces at ODU? Yes, absolutely. So, and, and were those, and I want to hear about them, and were those spaces dedicated because the administration kind of helped support that, or students said, no, no, <laughs> this is our lounge, uh-huh. this is our part of the brickyard, uh-huh. this is our part of campus, this is our park? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think a a hybrid, really. You know, you have some things that are, of course, institutionalized. So I Mm -hmm. think about um, Ms. Lisa Clark, who's still there, Director of Multicultural Student Services. Um, So you had this office, but we also had the Hugo A. Owens African American. We called it the house. So there was a, we Mm. had a house. Okay, like you can go sit on the couch, go upstairs. You can use it as a study room. You can use it as a, as a meeting hall. And I was one of those students that would go to the house to hang. Mm. Um, and so that was a nice place where you would have, you know, from freshman to senior, a lot of people who were involved on campus mm-hmm. where you could kind of go and meet. So that was special and very sacred for us. Um, but then at the same time, you had things, and this is a throwback if anyone is listening from ODU, we had activity hour. I don't know where you went, but activity hour? it was called activity hour. <laughs> so mind you, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I might get the time wrong. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. <laughs> but so if you had a fresh outfit, you're going to wear it on Tuesday and Thursday. Okay. And you're going to walk to activity hour. Uh-huh. And that's when you're going to see everybody for like an hour of time. There are no classes during this time. Yeah. So people may be getting their lunch, meeting up with their friends. It's kind of like, mid- like a midday. It's like a social, yeah, yeah a social hour. And, you know, I don't know if it was intended to be a black space, but there was a very particular, you know, spot Mm -hmm. where it was us, you Mm. know, and I think we created that. (laughs) That wasn't that wasn't institutionalized (laughs) at all. And so you had different things that would happen during activity hour, too. Um, Sometimes there were meetings or just things that would happen in that small area. We did have a high presence of our um, Greek fraternity and sororities, too, and they were really active and involved, which was nice to see. So, again, ODU was one of those very affirming spaces for me as a young black woman, you know, kind of going away to college. Um, I even think about our Black Student Alliance, which I got really involved in. And um, the year that I was in, I I mean, I happened to be president that year, but... I remember we got student organization of the year and that was like our first time getting mm-hmm. that distinction. So mm-hmm. we were like 
there. Yeah. Yes, there and very loud and very bold about our experiences. And it all felt very, very supported and respected there too. When you are, so you are one of the people that still creates black spaces. Yes, that's very important uh, to me. And do you try to recreate the house? Do you mm. try to recreate activity hour? Mm. And maybe not aesthetically, but like that feeling, that feeling. of, I walk in so-and-so and so-and-so yeah. and I can chill or we can collaborate or we can catch up. Yes. As you're, as, yeah. Are you trying to recreate some of that with the with the work that you do? You put the word you put words to it, but that's exactly what I do. When I think about any endeavor, any endeavor that I've done, and of course I'm thinking about Richmond, whether it's Wine Down, which is a you know, something that happens at Say Live and Wine Bar or mm-hmm. Artisan Cafe, Richmond Night Market, it's all about having a warm and welcoming feeling. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's yeah. the house. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> but yeah. It's there's I remember and this is one of the big reasons why I'm so involved with Africana. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember walking in the room, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, that's where you. That's where everybody is." You're right. <laughs> okay. Right. Like, it, but it was yeah. the same kind of feeling yeah. on campus. Yes. So NC State is much bigger. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, among the twenty some thousand, I mean, we were I don't know three, four small kind of percentages. Oh wow. Okay. But we have black spaces. Mm-hmm. And both institutionalized, yeah, and that were just kind of student created, student yeah. enforced, yeah. Uh, and I, I was saddened that those spaces changed over time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it was survival, yeah. Right when we showed up, this is how you're gonna make it, yeah. Because this thing is hard, yes. And yes, you guys are all at the top of all your classes. That's why you got admitted. That's why you're here. It's still hard, yes, indeed. And you looked at your peers. For me. Like spring semester, some of the boys were gone. Yeah. Year two, some didn't come back. Yes, indeed. But those spaces were critical to me feeling connected, being supported. Yes. Uh, also gave me a place to work and to be a leader and do all the things. Yes, indeed. So now, as you are creating and doing yeah. and and giving us these wonderful spaces, we find our peers. Yes. Um, what about the, uh, the challenge of the invitation to us versus the invitation to everyone? Like, how do you do it in Richmond and be unapologetically I guess focused, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. you got to be open to the wide variety of us as black people, but also yeah, like they're just dope things yeah for for any any person of any hue any color just to come to. How do you balance yeah those two? Wow, that's another good one, Todd. Um, a few different things come to mind for me. So 
I think for me, and, and what I always, um, even when I talk to my partners, I'm thinking about Melody, too, with mm-hmm. Artisan Cafe and Richmond Night Market. By nature of who we are, black folks are going to be there and show up. Like, we are two black women from Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, no matter where we've been and what we've done, you know, and so just by nature of our interest, how we express ourselves, how we view art, creativity, all of that, I think we naturally show up um, with that, right? And mm-hmm. so that's been... I guess the piece that comes with that is being able to just bring, be your authentic and genuine self mm-hmm. and present that wherever. And people are like, I want to be with, I want to be down with that. Like, I want to go here. I want to be there. And so that hasn't been as, um, I guess, script, I don't want to say scripted, but, you know, it hasn't been as, um, I guess, scripted or, um, I don't know, because it is intentional, but it's not as intentional beyond this is me. Mm-hmm. This is another another offering for the city. This yeah. is something else we can explore, and the right people come, you know, attract to that. At the same time, I do think it's so critical that we do have intentional spaces, because, as you mm-hmm. say, what I've noticed, um, and I'll just use the terms that I don't like to use when I'm not at work, but you know, <laughs> when you think about just more marginalized populations, yeah. right? And when you think about, you know, being black and woman, being black and male, you know, whatever yeah. those margins are, mm-hmm. whenever there's a conversation and if you are in the margins, if it's open up to a larger um, body, often we are even further put in the margin. Yeah. And so why I think it's important that we're intentional is to make sure that the concerns of that marginalized group are heard mm-hmm. and that we're addressing them. What I've noticed is sometimes if we don't, you kind of get further back into the corner, mm-hmm. kind of get further back into the corner. And so that's been very important for me, especially at this point that I'm at in my life and just in my professional journey I'm making sure that I do have those very intentional spaces to talk about those things. Because we're often, you know, we, we may see each other out in passing mm-hmm. and, hey, what's up? You might have five minutes to chat. Oh, we got to get up. And then you go on into these spaces, but you don't really have that time to really talk about what's going on, what's happening, mm-hmm. how can I support you and vice versa. So I guess, again, it's it's a mix of, of two things. Um, but I found a lot of power in being able to create that. And this and doing that in Richmond is really unique. D- D.C. was so huge. Mm-hmm. You can get swallowed up in D.C. Um, St. Louis was beautiful and you can make change there, but it was still so new. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so the beautiful thing about Richmond is that if you want to create it, you really can. Mm-hmm. And it's res- it's um, respected and supported um, from within and from without. And so that's, again, another kind of mm-hmm. empowering bit of, of doing that work. Yeah. Yeah. It always stands out to me um, that we are led by, especially in, in creating space, um, a lot of black women. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, and you all are dope and amazing. And uh, Anjali just tells me what to do. And I, right. and I you do it. it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I'm, I'm so inspired by her. Yeah. Uh, and want to give my talent and energy to, you know, see her vision come to come to pass. Mm-hmm. Um but it does, like it stands out to me in mm-hmm. creation of space. Yes. Th- there's a lot of black women yes. leading us in that. Uh, huh. I wonder mm-hmm. in that, um, it, are you all better creating kind of, I don't know, like environments that feel like home, that feel like comfort? Mm-hmm. Like you have, I wonder if you just because of who you are as black women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have a special gifting 
mm-hmm. to be sensitive to the space. Yes. Yeah. I want. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's a it's... that's a good thought, but I would say yes. I mean, and <laughs> my whole woman is side is coming out, <laughs> but you know, I I mean, I feel like black women are home, right? Black women, by nature of our essence, we are home. You yeah. know, we uh, in in the in the sweetest of ways when it comes to being nurturing and. As I was talking earlier, this mm-hmm. kind of understanding for we're just we naturally understand, but I think sometimes we are expected to understand and get it all and put it all together, you know. And then even in the in the ugliest of times, you know, years and years and years ago, you know, I think we were oftentimes the ones who were kind of in between. I think a, a lot has happened with our black men, mm-hmm. you know, when you looked at look at how much you all have been just kind of pushed away you know, ostracized, Mm -hmm. demonized, if you will, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I think it left a space for us as black women to, we got to figure out how to make, take care of the men, raise the babies, Mm. talk outside of our race to just find this, a common, Mm -hmm. we're normally finding a common ground and common space on good occasions and then the sour occasions too. So even in, when I think about even both of those situations, I think naturally, we do. We create space. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're trusted. I think when, I think we're a, tr- a trusted entity too. You know, even when mm-hmm. you think about some of the roles that we've had historically, mm-hmm. whether it was taking care of our children or, or somebody else's children, mm-hmm. right? When you look at organizations when they want to turn things around and who has the right kind of tempo and personality mm-hmm. and flair to do it, we do it. And that's why, going back to your point, it's important that we have intentional black spaces mm-hmm. to talk about some of this stuff because it's heavy. Yeah. It's not easy. Stuff to do, you know? Um, but yeah. Do you think now in Richmond, uh, there is, I, I don't, I, I got asked, so we got part of this because of Black RBA. Right? Yes. Uh-huh. Um, and I wasn't in Richmond when I got asked this question. Um, they said, so. W- what's like where's the black place like where do you all go and i said well we kind of go everywhere <laughs> yeah and i said and I, I said i don't go out so i'm like the wrong person to ask mm-hmm. my out is like a dinner right and with some drinks <laughs> right um that's it and then it's time to go home um i was like yeah we don't have and i took out i said i don't club so i had to take those out yeah um i was like i on a consistent base on like consistent. on an everyday we may emerge in a place for a night yeah. because someone's hosting a thing, doing a thing, or that's the night of a particular, you know, yeah. regular engagement. But it's like we don't have a That's true. We don't have a thing. We don't have a place. That's true. Do you think we need one? Do you think we need one? And because we're not Atlanta and because we're not DC, do we have critical mass enough to support it? If you think we yes, need one. Yes, yes, and yes. All so, of it. <laughs> all of it. I'm an all of it kind of person, too. So with the first thing, and I, I, I like that first answer that you gave. I do think we're a bit of air. Like, we can kind of float. I see us everywhere. We are air. We are air. So we are, we are downtown, short pump, Churchill, south side, west, all of the things, yeah. right? And so that's comforting to know. Um, but I do. I think about that often. I think... Um, I think we need to own a bit more, mm. you know, um, beyond, say, creating events, you know, creating kind of like that one time, which is an amazing synergy and experience. Mm-hmm. It's something about owning and having a consistent space that allows you to really 
it's kind of a little bit more sustainable, like mm-hmm. having conversation. It kind of gets put, plants your feet in the ground a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so I do. I think there's space for us to own a bit more. And I think with the, the spaces that we do own, we need to support those things. So, yeah. of course, I think about Gannett at Selah Venn. You know, mm-hmm. I think about Kelly and Urban Hang Suite. You mm-hmm. know, I can't think, you know, I think about AJ with Brewers. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those spaces, now that we have them, we got to put our arms all the way around them, you yeah. know, and show it when we can. Um, but I do still think there's more, um, there's more opportunity for us to own more. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I, I debate it. Yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, I think it's hard to do the analysis of the market and identify, yep, we actually have the critical mass on a regular basis, mm-hmm. support mm-hmm. a thing. We're great at episodic stuff. Very, yes. We do that really well. Yes, indeed. Um, but to say on a nightly, weekly, monthly basis, will we have a thing? I, I know. know. I know. I and know. you know, we had the store. We had Artisan Cafe store at... Mm-hmm. Uh, I was about to say short pump, um, Stony Point for mm-hmm. uh, about two years. And um, it went well, but it, it did come a point where it was like, oh, you got to work 150%. Yeah. We had to do so much with events just to get people to come out. So I don't know what that space is, if it's just a meeting space mm-hmm. or, you know, we do we do well in, in Richmond in general with kind of restaurants, cafes, mm-hmm. and that's like the three I mentioned, that's what they are. Yeah. You know, so I think it, you know, I'm not sure what it is, but I hear you in, um, it's a it's a labor of love mm-hmm. that can be a lot at times. And so it's got to be the right kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since your journey's taking you mm-hmm. north and south yeah. and east and west, uh, you think Richmond's going to be, you're going to be here for a little bit? I feel I feel that way. Richmond has drawn me in. I'll tell you, when I came to Richmond, I said I'll be here for maybe eight months to a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just it's been coming a lot longer than that. A lot longer than that, right? <laughs> you know, I literally, I literally came home when my dad transitioned, and my mom had been with my dad longer than she had just been on, the, you know, by mm-hmm. herself. So. I was in business for myself, had some flexibility and said, well, I'll come back home. My sister was in Atlanta and I'll just kind of hang out. You know, I was still traveling to D.C., managing contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's 11 years. Yeah. It was 11 years in July. Richmond has drawn me back in in ways that I did not imagine. Mm-hmm. I always knew that I wanted to pour back into Richmond, um, but I always vision. I didn't never vision myself living in Richmond doing that. Yeah. Um, I have a different perspective now. Um, it feels really good to be a part of a movement in the city that um, you can actually feel the change happening, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how I feel about the creative class here in Richmond, yeah. here in the city. So as of right now, Richmond is it. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in anything else. I mean, I'm always, I feel like I can travel as long mm-hmm. as I can travel and explore and journey. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I used to have a little bug to do something international, but mm-hmm. you know, as the older you get, it's like, uh, <laughs> just take a long week or two if you can. Um, so yeah, Richmond feels like exactly where I'm supposed to be yeah. right now. Yeah. What What is exhausting about the movement? Mm. Like what parts of this, this Richmond movement, which mm. I, I I think I'm a part of it too. Yeah. Um, like what's, what's the weight of it and the exhaustion mm. and fatigue that comes as you're... Man. Because you're one of our leaders of it. Like you're mm. you're leading us through this movement. Mm. A lot of it's exhausting. Uh, 
if I can say that, a lot mm-hmm. of it is. Um, I think what really stands out for me, like me personally, where I am is sometimes just unpacking where we are and how mm-hmm. deep we are in it mm-hmm. is just heavy. Yeah, you know, it's it's not a. It took it took years and years and years to get here. So I know it's going to take years and years and years to get out of it. Mm. Um, but still, the thought and the magnitude the magnitude of it all can be a bit overwhelming. I think I find peace in knowing that you just do a little bit at a time, you know. And so what I know is that um, where we you know where we need to get to, I can't get there alone. But if I can just do my part. So I'm, if every, if we got 10 people, if everybody does their part, we will get to where we're going. So what I do, I focus on doing my part, you know, so that that helps it. I think the other thing, if I had to give just kind of critical thought to our movements here, um, we have to do a better job of appreciating the differences that we bring to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, sometimes we see someone who does it a different way. Maybe they have a different tone, a different voice, a different perspective, and we're quick to kind of discount that person. I think um, I was hearing a speaker last week and they called it just kind of like this call out and cancel culture that we have. Um, I think if we did a better job of just appreciating the things we have in common, I think we could get a little bit further. I often call it the um, Malcolm Martin Marcus approach. Three very different men, you know, but still wanted liberation for their folks. And so I think the more we highlight, you know, and you can even highlight the differences in the sense of, hey, you can do something that I can't do or I don't know how to do, or Mm -hmm. maybe I'm just not interested in doing, but I know if you do it, it's gonna help what I'm doing, you know? And so the more that we can just celebrate each other, accept the differences as a positive to move us further along, I think we would be, Mm. so those are my my two things. So I'm often at this place of, trying to get us to see the importance of collaboration and working collectively, um, the value in not doing it the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we kind of, I guess, coordinate in those efforts, right? Um, and still seeing the positive effects for what, you know, what we're trying to do. Yeah. I, yeah. I try to inject hope into all my, yes. um, all my episodes. Yes. Um, oftentimes it's either my hope for individuals or my hope as a bigger community. Mm-hmm. Um, what gives you hope for for this movement? You know, you're you're raising a daughter. Yeah. If she stays here, she's going to inherit this place, and mm-hmm. then she'll have to lead and do and create spaces. Um, what's your hope for for us and and mm-hmm. the the journey that we're on in this city and the things we're trying to create? Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. Um, what's my hope? I am hopeful that we always say that we are working better together, Mm -hmm. you know, that we have just a little bit more understanding with the next day than we had the day before. Mm -hmm. Um, That we're listening a little bit more closely and beyond listening, that we're actually applying what we've learned. Um, That we're more vulnerable, you know, when we're having conversations and um, it's okay to not know, you know, everything. Um, When I look at, young people too, you know, and so I'm I'm at that age where I'm like, okay, Naomi's six, almost seven, and I'm looking at some of the younger people coming up around me. Um, it's big for me that they feel confident and able to be involved and that their voice matters and things mm-hmm. of the sort. So I spend a lot of my energy there too, even my work at Peter Paul and in working with younger people, 
just inspiring them to stay inspired. Mm -hmm. You know, when there's an opportunity to, um, if Naomi did something and, you know, we took her idea. I'm like, Naomi, it's because of you that we're Mm. doing, we're having dinner at 6.30 and not (laughs) 6.15, just whatever the case, you know, because those things, as we talked earlier, you know, you started with where I started out as a child and how those things are still showing up for me, you know, in my adult years. Mm -hmm. And so I think the more we can do that, I'm very hopeful there. And I think I have a realistic sense of change and time. And so with that, I'm not as antsy to see all of the things in my lifetime, but to know that I'm leaving the world a bit better than when I started. Mm. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming to the house. Yes. Sitting at the kitchen table. It's beautiful, y'all. I love it. It's so warm. It's the, we're at the house. Yeah, the house. Yeah, the house. <laughs> see? The house. We're at the house. Yeah. Um, this is the 40 Lessons podcast mm-hmm. right here in Churchill at my house. Adrian's here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. For coming through and being a part of 40 Lessons. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks again to Adrian for jumping on the podcast. If you haven't been to Richmond Night Market, go check it out. Richmond Night Market VA. RichmondNightMarketVA.com. Go check them out. See what's going on. Enjoy yourself on a Saturday night. Churchill. Each episode, we highlight a nonprofit or sub event in town that is tied to some really great mission. If you would like for me to highlight your event or your organization, just let me know. Send me an email, Todd at ToddBWaldo.com. Today, we are talking about the next move program and the great RBA Bake Off. It's going down October the 27th. And this is in support of their brand new Tablespoons Bakery. So you got a bunch of it jumping in to bake some stuff. It's a baking competition. So, you know, we're going to see. We're going to see what I do. Uh, it's the 27th, 1 p.m. To learn more, go to thenextmoveprogram.com. You can see all about it, hear about what they're doing with this bakery, creating this brand new resource for people. And, uh, and you can come hang out. You can come get tickets to the event, see what we're going to do. There's going to be a bunch of us in teams on stage Food, I guess we're baking food, so you can have some more food, plus some food and drinks from vendors that will be there. So come on, hang out October the 27th at 1 and support the great work that is happening with the Next Move program and the great RBA Bake Off. As always, I really hope that you are taking care of yourself, and let's make sure we are taking care of each other. We got another episode for you next week in this new season of the Ford Lessons Podcast. We'll see you next Tuesday right here on Ford.